welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Troy. Excited to be back and do another episode here. This episode is going to be a little different. This episode is going to be solo mio. It's just going to be me. Um, going to be talking specifically about a topic that I think it's worth diving into. I've had some inquiry uh, in various forms of um, along this topic. So uh, we're going to get into that in a second. Um, just a couple announcements, of course. There's the Patreon page. Uh, if you would like to support the podcast and the efforts we're doing here, then by all means, check that out. And for as little as $5 a month, you can help uh, support us as we try to continue to grow this and add new features. Uh, if you if you listen to the last podcast, you know that because of some technology upgrades, we're able to do a little bit more and anxious to try out some uh, group interviews, uh, some Zoom calls there that we can do and get into some more roundtable discussions and drill down deeper into topics. Uh, so if you're interested in that, please, by all means, reach out to me and we can see what we can get going there. Um, of course, the Facebook page, the uh, the private group there, the Pastured Pig, be sure to join it. We have some discussion going on there from time to time, a good discussion, good pictures, those type of things as we all share our uh, endeavors of raising pigs on pasture. So check that out. That's the Pastured Pig on Facebook. Just have to answer a simple little question and I can let you in there. Keep all the riffraff out, you know what I mean? Okay, well, today's episode, I want to talk about why it's worth taking the time to build a good cut sheet. And when I say that, I mean not just taking something basic and slapping it together for your customers. This is actually taking the time to use it not only as a tool to make sure you know what your customer wants out of their cuts when they order a whole and half from you, but also it has customer relation elements to it. It has customer service tied to it. It has even some CYA elements for your business. And uh, so that's what I want to get into. So you may have recalled, those of you who've been with the podcast for a long time, you may have recalled all the way back in episode 50, I discussed the basics of having a good cut sheet. Um, I think that was in the fall of 2020 that we aired that. Um, In that episode, I addressed three scenarios for understanding the cut sheet process. The first one was you know, butchering for personal consumption. So you know, if you're just going to raise your own hog and you're going to have it butchered for yourself so you and your family can live off of it, eat off of it, then here's how you really need to understand a cut sheet that the processor is going to give you. And of course, you know, the second scenario was butchering for a whole and a half customer. So understanding how the processor uses the cut sheet, build that on top of how your customer understands how the processor uses the cut sheet and and what you're going to offer there. And of course, the third scenario was butchering for retail cuts. So how to work with your processor to maximize your cuts for retail purchases or retail processing so that you can uh, utilize that for your own sales individual. Okay, but in this episode, I want to take a deeper dive into scenario number two, because I know 
when a lot of people get started with pastured pigs and they stick their toe in the water uh, to turn it into a small business to generate extra revenue, that's usually the first thing they do is go with holes and halves. And the reason why is, well, there's a lot of reasons, but it, it kind of comes back to it seems to be a little easier. You know, you don't need as many customers if you've got, let's say you got 10 head, then, you know, if you've got uh, 10 whole customers, and that's all you need. You need 10. If you're selling halves, then maybe you need 20 or something in between there. But it's one of those things that it's kind of easy to stick your toe in the water. And usually with your processors, it gives you more options because you can then in most states work with custom processing, which those are more numerous than state or USDA inspected. So that's usually where that starts. <clears throat> So I'm sure many of you have seen the cut sheet from a processor, and it's it's not very customer friendly. I think that's easy to say. You know, the main reason for that I've discovered is that cut sheet is the actual document that follows the pig carcass around on the processing floor. You know, it's really an instruction sheet for each staff member on what they're to do. So as it goes through the different processes, that cut sheet follows along so they know, okay, this is what we're doing with the grind, this is what we're doing with the roast, this is what we're doing with shoulder, all that type of stuff. You know, there's zero branding on it, there's zero helpful tips, there's zero explanation of cuts and mixes or anything that could provide additional information to you or to your customer. You know, all that information is unnecessary and could be detrimental to the employee working on your hog. So if there's a whole bunch of foolishness on that cut sheet that they didn't care about, then, then that could actually mess things up. Um, you know, when you're dealing with multiple employees, you know, just especially the busier these processors are, you know, they're just running hogs through one right after the other and beef and all the other things, then, um, you know, having a lot of foolishness on a cut sheet or something that's out of place could really be a problem and not give you the process that you want. So how do you manage a cut sheet that is super helpful for your customer, yet still has the basic instructions for the meat handler? Well, the first option would be just to forward the processor's cut sheet to the customer and say, good luck. You know, here you go. Figure that out. We, we, we'll, we'll try to talk through it the best, best way possible. You know, this doesn't provide the customer service that I would recommend because it can really cause a lot of guesswork. And I'm sure those of you that have sold holes and halves for a while could, could tell stories, uh, you know, some anecdotes of where your customers didn't fully understand that process or, or people didn't, didn't understand just exactly how a pig's cut up. So they end up getting things that they thought they were getting or not getting, and, and they got things that they weren't expecting. You know, so my suggestion is this. You know, make your own cut sheet with details, branding, and tips for your customers. So when you make this process so helpful and easy to understand, then your customers are more likely to have a good experience and not get any surprises when they receive their pork order. Since in episode 50 I had more vague elements of these tips, let's take a closer look at these in details. If you have your cut sheet in place already, maybe some of these suggestions will be something you can add. If you don't have your cut sheet ready or need to overhaul it, I will make an editable version available on, for our Patreon supporters, uh, and I'll include more details on that at the end of the podcast. The first thing I recommend is having your farm branding and contact info on the cut sheet. This is a great opportunity to make sure your customers know how to reach you as soon as they have a question. You know, include your email, your phone, address, hours of operation if that's applicable, all of those type of things. You know, include your logo so they can recognize your brand more and more. That's just what we call top of mind awareness. Just have it out there. 
Next, I would make a spot for their contact information. That way, if a processor calls you, then you can have their contact information handy alongside their processor requests. If the processor has a copy of your cut sheet along with theirs, the one that actually follows the carcass around the floor, then they may be able to contact your customer directly. And we'll talk more on that later. That's going to be unique to your processor. So another detail I would include near the top is your ear tag number spot. This will allow you to include the number on your tag, uh, include the number of the tag for your pig. Uh, yeah, if you're like me, I prefer to take the half hog orders and assign them to the larger animals. Uh, and the reason why this yields more money per pound since the half hog fee is higher, so our per pound price is higher. Um, yeah, and also this could help the processor assign the hogs to the customers easier. So looking at that, you know, if if most processors require you to tag the animal's ears. Uh, some processors I've gone to, they'll actually tag them for you, which is convenient. But it's one of those things where you're looking at your pigs as you're loading them and think, okay, you know, I have one client that, um, that you know, it's just a family of two. They want a whole hog, but they don't necessarily want a ton of pork. So, okay, maybe one of my hogs that's a little on the lighter side, I'm going to give that one to them. And that way, when I've tagged their ears, I can say, okay, you know, John gets uh, pig number 12, and then this half uh, hog, two customers want half, they want a lot of pork, um, but they only want a half, then I can say, okay, well, I'm going to give you the big boy, and so that's tag number six. So it, it's handy to have that, that when you go back and reference, then you can look at your customer's cut sheet, um, look at the tag number, and then... Uh, correlate that with the information you've gotten back from your processor in case there's any questions or you want to just do some good reporting on the end. So next on the cut sheet should be clear options for each of the cuts available. And this is where this varies a lot because uh, obviously different processors offer different cuts. You know, the option you're going to offer must be congruent, congruent with your processor. You know, don't, don't be the guy that offers four different bratwurst varieties if your processor doesn't even make brats. So that's where this, this sheet I'm going to provide for you. Make sure um, to edit out what you don't want to offer or your processor doesn't offer. And be sure to include what they do. Now that's, again, that's a variable that you have to decide because your processor may be huge and they may have more options than you can imagine. And you're like, well, man, I don't know that I want to include all these just yet with my customers. It's almost like too many options can really cause this to be an issue. But that, again, is up to you. You have to kind of feel that out with your customers. So when I actually start listing these cuts, I start with pork chops, uh, but you can put them in any order you like. Um, I also like to use check boxes uh, on my cut sheets and arrange them so they can clearly show that the specific option is a choose one scenario. So you don't run into that thing where they're like, yeah, I want all boneless chops and then I want... Um, or I want all bone-in chops, and then they say, and I also want baby back ribs. It's like, well, okay, yeah, we're running into a situation here. Um, so, yeah, for that example, uh, yeah, with pork chops, the first option is bone-in or boneless that I have on my cut sheet. So there is one checkbox for each of those two options, and that way they don't, they don't check both. Now, I, I guess you could. If it's a whole hog, you could say, okay, this half of the hog, we're going to do bone-in. This, this other half will be boneless, but... Again, those are the options you can discuss with your customer and not necessarily have that all spelled out on the sheet. That way you're not opening too many doors all at once. Another option to include would be the thickness of your pork chops. And, and I've discovered that a lot of my clients really like having this option. And my processor does a pretty good job of, of 
following that request. So it seems like my bone-in, you know, the people that want bone-in chops, they like a much thicker chop. But these, um, the, the customers that have young families, the young kids, where they like a lot of the boneless stuff, then they like a thinner chop because it cooks up easy. They usually bread them, they fry them, those type of things. And they seem to cook up easier. So they like a thinner chop. So I just, I just include check boxes again with thicknesses because you know, I don't want anybody getting there and saying, well, I want an inch and five-eighths pork chop. You know, don't leave a blank for somebody to write in. And some people may not know. They may like, well, I'm not sure what a thickness is. I, I think a five-inch pork chop would be fine. It's like, okay, yeah, obviously that's going to be an issue. That's a roast. Um, so showing with a check box the options, and I think we do half inch, inch and a half, something like that. Uh, another option we include is how many chops per vacuum sealed bag. Or you know, if your processor doesn't vacuum seal them, they, they wrap them in paper. But how many do you want in groups? So again, thinking of family size, if you're a family of four, maybe you want four pork chops per package. If you're a family of two, maybe you want two. Or maybe you want four, six, or eight. However you want to look at that, that gives them options. And, and usually processors will, will be fine with that. Unless, you know, don't, don't be the guy that comes in and says, hey, I want everything individually packaged in one vacuum seal. They, there may be additional charge there if they have to do a whole bunch of extra work. And of course, looking at when you're, you're talking about pork chops, another option would be, would they prefer the entire loin? Would they want it whole, halved, or quartered? So laying that out, giving those options um, is handy to have. And, and what I do on my cut cheese, I include notes under each of these sections, kind of recommendations to go along with that. And I found that to be really helpful for them to say, okay, well, I think I have a question about this, but if I read Troy's notes here, he's actually suggesting this, or he mentions that. It's like, oh, okay, well, that went ahead and answered my question. So um, you can look at that on our example cut sheet and just see you know, some of these pointers, some of these tips under each of these cut sections. And that allows uh, people to, to maybe become a little more educated as as they work these cuts. Um, so I think I mentioned it already. So you know, the example would be um, you know, if you're selecting bone-in chops, um, then this will only produce spare ribs. You know, if you want baby back ribs, then choose boneless chops. And that helps explain to them that, okay, I can't have both. So if there's a question, hey, Troy, I really don't understand why is that? Then I explain, well, you know, when you have a bone-in chop, you're using part of the rib cage, blah, blah, blah. And then it explains that. And that way that, that really reduces the opportunity for people to call and say, hey, uh, I picked up my pork, but something's missing or only got, I only got one thing. My favorite is, you know, the half-hog customer that calls us, hey, I only got one Boston butt with my, my pork order. It's like, yeah, that's all you get. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, they think of a ham. A ham's pretty common sense. Yeah, a ham is the back end of the pig. Okay, half half hog, one ham, that makes sense. Uh, and, of course, I'm sure those of you guys that are in holes and halves, you always have the conversation about, I don't think I got enough bacon. How come I didn't get enough bacon? But anyway, whole other story there. So my next cat, cut category is ham. You know, I've discovered people sometimes are unaware that an uncured or an unsmoked ham is basically just pork. You know, you could call it a roast at that point. Um, you know, having an explanation of that on the cut sheet helps educate them. You know, I will add the word green in parentheses. If some people are not sure, that means fresh. You know, another issue I've seen, and, and make sure to clarify on my cut sheet, is sliced versus whole ham. So here's where it can get a little tricky. You know, so many people are used to buying hams in the supermarket that they think a sliced ham is like a spiral cut ham instead of individual packages of ham slices or ham steak, if you want to call it that. 
So you have to make sure you use terminology that your customer knows or can be educated on and is also congruent with your processor options. So uh, again, I, I ran into that in one of the first years. Somebody selected sliced ham and I gave them a whole bunch of packets of ham steak and they were really disappointed. Well, I thought slice meant spiral cut. So like, oh, wow, okay. So anyway, yeah, those are the things you run into. And even something simple as, hey, your ham's gonna have a bone in it unless you specifically request to have it boned because that's the way God made pigs with bones. <laughs> so, <laughs> so again, looking at those type of details, those type of notes that you wanna incorporate into that. And that gets into the whole thing of smoked and cured and you know, cured versus smoked or, or just cured and not smoked. And, and so you, you jump off that bridge however you want to. My next category I have is the pork belly. And you know, I, I think obviously that's where most people fixate on. I've discovered with my customers that there are some who are so aware of pork belly uh, and do what, you know, kind of do their own additional curing that they just request the belly whole and want it fresh. So they'll say, hey, is there a way I can just get the, the, the belly whole and fresh, not frozen? Because I want to take it straight to my smoker. And then I'll try to work that out with my processor. You know, others just want their bacon to taste like it comes from the store. It's like, I don't even know the details. I just want bacon that tastes good, and it's in packs, and it's sliced, and when I get it out of the freezer Saturday morning, it's, it's what I'm expecting. So that's where you got to make sure you explain the cured and the smoked, and, you know, some are adverse to pink salt. Uh, so they, they, you know, they will naturally say, well, I don't want it cured because I don't like the, the nitrates um, and all those type of things that go with the pink salt and that curing process. So when they get uncured bacon, they're like, well, but this doesn't taste like bacon. It's like, well, yeah, because it's not cured. And so there's, there's options. Again, with your processor, you can explore that. Do, you, do they have the ability to use more natural curing like the, you know, the celery powder and those type of things? But just make sure you uh, have those details explained out for your customer. Mm. So I, I think the next is, is really interesting. And this is where you kind of get in with your customers and really understand what they know about a pig and what they don't know. And that's jowl. And I've seen some processors just leave it out, won't even talk about it. That if you, if you know what jowl is and you want it, then okay, we'll do it. But um, if not, it's just going to end up in the grind. But if you have that section in there with some notes, you may find you could educate people on enjoying a cut of, a, of pork that they're, they're not typically used to. Uh, you know, so, so many people have no idea what jowl is and what to do with it. Um, and, I, and I usually say it can be very bacon-like if they want it cured and smoked. And I also make sure to explain where the jowl actually comes from. You know, many people picture cheeks being removed from the pig's face. And it's like, well, no, it's a little bit further back. It's behind the jaw there. It's the, um, you know, if, if, it, if jowl was human, it would be all of our chins that we have type of thing, right? So uh, make sure they understand what that means and the benefits of that, where they want it sliced, where they want it whole, where they want it cured, or where they're just like, ooh, I don't know, I just want that ground up, or I don't even want to talk about it. You just don't know. My last section on my cut sheet is sausage or grind. It really kind of depends on how you want to put that. If you just use the word grind, then maybe people don't fully understand. So I usually put sausage, but this will include uh, ground pork and those type of things. You know, and of course, this makes it more complicated simply because there's so many options. And my number one piece of advice is make sure you know that your processor's minimums on certain grind options. If, for example, our processor will not stuff links unless he has a minimum of 20 pounds per process, per, per pig. So it's one of those things where, 
you know, if you're taking a market size pig in there and you're just grinding the uh, the trimmings, then you're going to be real close. That 20 pounds is you know, maybe going to be everything, or it may not even be enough. So it may take all of the grind from trimmings and possibly could require you know, a couple cuts to be stolen from. You have to take some shoulder or some jowl and grind it up. <clears throat> um, another thing to list is, is your heat options when it comes to your mixes. So uh, you know, for like your links, your patties, your bags, whatever, list that again if your processor offers it because it could be something as simple as, hey, they throw in some cayenne. You go from uh, you know, mild to medium to hot just based upon the amount of cayenne they add to their mix. And man, you can really get down the rabbit trail of, of mixes where you know, people want no MSG, people want the different types of mix, you know, sage, no sage, and the breakfast sausage, all those type of things. So this is why I say really check with your processor if you're going to add a lot of these options and just make sure you're looking at these minimums. You know, don't you don't want to set it up where your um, you know, your customer finds that you know, you give them all this choice and they say. Hey, I'm going to just choose every option as a taste test. I want some links that are mild, medium, and hot. I want some patties that are mild, medium, and hot. And I want some bag of sausage that are mild, medium, and hot. I want it with sage, without sage. And the next thing you know, your processor's calling you, cussing you out because he's like, I can't do all these options. Just pick two or something. So, so make sure you understand that before you open up Pandora's box on all these, uh, these grind options. So my last section is what I call miscellaneous cuts. Um, and these are cuts that many people don't really think about. They either don't want them or don't know what to do with them or just, you know, it's like, well, I got my pork chops, I got my ham, I got my bacon. What else is there? I really don't want to mess with it. So I simply put them in a checklist and say, check all that you want. So this could include you know, your lard, so the actual leaf lard. This could include extra fat, so some of the back fat cuttings or anything else. Um, you have the head, of course, if they want to make head cheese and do anything there. Trotters, if they want to have those. Organ meat, uh, which some people absolutely love and some people can't even think about it. Uh, ears, you have some customers that want ears for their dogs. And then, of course, uh, neck bones. They may want the bones for uh, doing broth and those type of things. So I usually just put a little checklist there where they can say, hey, yes, I want leaf lard. Yes, I want fat. No, I don't want that. I want organ meat. I don't want organ meat, whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. It's it, it it's good to make sure they understand. Yeah, when you say trotters, you maybe even parentheses feet, because uh, some may be repulsed if they get their pig back and, and the trotters are on top and they have no idea how good they are. <laughs> They'll be like, why are the feet on top of my order? So, something to consider there. Yeah, so in all of these categories, considering consider mentioning bones or presence in these cuts. I mentioned that already with the hams, unless they choose to have them removed. Again, I think people are so removed from from animal processing that they just don't think about it. You know, when we think of chicken nuggets or when we think of chicken, it's like, okay, everything's boneless if it's high end and good stuff, and it's not if it's got bones in. But you know, you got to help people navigate that and. Um, I think the default for people is everything is boneless these days. So you may want to remind them, hey, don't be shocked when you whip out the Christmas ham out of the freezer and you see a leg bone. And you're like, what is that we're hitting here? So yeah, I would make sure that there's an explanation there that people understand that. Another option offer is a checkbox on all cuts to have them ground instead of processed. So when you go back through each category, you may just, there's just a little checkbox to say, instead of this, just grind it for um, sausage or, or make it part of the ground. And, you know, and it's one of those things I, I sometimes shed a tear when a customer wants the loin ground, but, but it happens, you know, I, I, you see it sometimes. People, 
Um, you, you find that with, with mothers that have many small mouths to feed and want as many breakfast links as they can get, even if it means uh, no pork chops or, or no ham or something like that, because they're just going to grind everything because um, all those kids just want breakfast sausage. So the more educated the customer is, the more satisfied they will be, and the more likely um, they'll be apt to using all the cuts they received. You know, this makes for a pleasant buying experience and really underscores why it is economical to order holes and halves from your farm. So just kind of think through it. When, when, you're, when you're giving them a hanging weight, which is how most of us price our pigs out, and say, okay, here's the cost per pound hanging, and they add that up, and they say, well, that's a pretty good expense, and then they get this meat that shows up, and they're like, well, it's not as much as I thought. Again, understanding that hey, there's a lot of things you didn't want. So, uh, you know, the organ meat or the trotters, those type of things, you know, the, the head, that those things just got tossed out or went somewhere else. And you, you, know, you paid for some of this, but you just didn't want it. So make sure the customer's educated there, that if the things they don't want, they know that, of course, that's going to be stuff that just gets tossed. And it's not like they can substitute, hey, instead of um, you know, three pounds of trotters, can I have three pounds of bacon? No, that's not how it works, unfortunately. Yeah, the last part of my cut sheet is what I call the fine print or the CYA portion. And this uh, section contains explanation of the process and how th um, the customer is expected to pay their bill to the processor, how they pay me for the rest of their pork, you know, minus their deposit, and when they expect their pork to be ready. So it's, it's kind of like this, this grocery list of, of could even be frequently asked questions type thing. You know, if you're having them pick up their pork directly at the processor, which is required by most custom processing options, you know, make sure they know the name, the address, the phone, and the hours of the operation of the processor. You know, how do I get there? Uh, make sure there's any, any details that, hey, your processor includes things boxed and, and, and the, this processor doesn't. You know, make that process as easy as possible. You know, many can be too intimidated and may not want to order again if that experience was too uncomfortable when they show up to the processor and pick up. They may be like, that was just weird. I'm not sure I want to do that again. So if you have to do that, then make sure you make that as um, streamlined as possible. Try to manage expectations with your customer there. Make sure they know to bring coolers or boxes or bags or whatever the processor doesn't offer so they can get their pork home. Um, you, you may even want to mention suggestions on how their pork will be okay in the trunk of their the car going home. You know, obviously just don't take all day to shop, but I know many of my customers are like, hey, I got um, 20 minutes from the processor. I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick up 200 pounds of meat or 100 pounds of meat and uh, put it all in the back of my car. Is it going to be okay on the way home? I was like, well, yeah, your car is going to probably start developing ice on the outside of it, but it'll be fine. Trust me. So yeah, make sure they understand some of those little nuances that we just take for granted. Also, make sure you explain a time frame as when they're expected to pick up their pork when it is ready. So you think about this, you know, many processors will get frustrated if your pork hangs out in their freezers for days after it's ready. You know, they, they just don't have the space to accommodate that, especially if they're a small custom shop. So if you're having your customers pick up, this is where I would you know, bullet point on the cut sheet to say, hey, when I give you a call, when I email you, to say, hey, your pork is ready, please pick it up. Don't say, yeah, okay, maybe next week we'll go get it or the week after that because my phone starts blowing up to say, hey, you know, so-and-so hasn't picked up their pork yet. So that's something you really want to make sure. Again, managing expectations to say, hey, when I give you a call, please make sure within the next 24 hours to 36 hours you're ready to go over there and get it. So I usually, you know, 
when the pigs are going to processing, that's when I remind people, hey, do you have a vacation coming up in the next two weeks? If so, you need somebody to show up on your behalf to get your pork because I'm not going to hold it here. I can't hold it at my farm legally. If it's a custom cut, I'm not a legal dog. It's not legal for me to hold it. Uh, but my processor is not going to sit on that, and I don't want to have to listen to my processor scream and yell because his freezer space is getting taken up. You know, don't do that. That's a good way to get blocked from processing again. Another thing I make sure to include is information on what to do if things aren't right. So here is what I have on my cut sheet. So here's, here's actually pulled, lifted right off the cut sheet. It reads this way. Please understand Red Toolhouse is selling you pork from our pasture-raised hogs. You are hiring the processor to butcher and prepare the pork to your specifications. Red Toolhouse is not associated with any processor and makes no revenue from the processing fee. We choose processors or recommend processors based upon previous experience and the understanding that the processor will do their absolute best to process our hogs to our high standards. At Red Toolhouse, our primary goal is to give our customers quality, healthy pork raised on our farm. We work closely with the processor to make sure your specifications are met. If mistakes are discovered, please contact us immediately so we can try to resolve any issues. So the whole point of that is to, is to separate, to say, with a custom processing, so a hole and a half, if it's using a custom processor, technically, you know, I'm selling you, the customer, a live animal, and I'm just dropping it off to the processor as a courtesy. So it's your responsibility to work with the processor. Now, again, if you have your cut sheet like we're talking about, you're, you're being a liaison there. But just make sure they understand that the processor is not employed by me. I do not make any money off the processing fee. It's really totally out of my hands at that point. That's why we want to communicate as clearly and concisely as possible. So with all of this advice on a cut sheet, you know, there's one chunk of big bad news that goes along with this process and some of you guys may have already been screaming at your podcast device already is that you will likely have to just transcribe your cut sheet to the processor's cut sheet you know, very rarely have I seen a processor take a farmer's cut sheet and use it um, you know, usually they want you to fill out their cut sheet um, so you know you may some may offer to do it for you but I encourage you to take that responsibility to make sure it's right uh, spend time with the processor if needed. Uh, yeah, my processor requires me to transcribe, but will include my cut sheet with his. They both follow the hog around the processing floor. So with that, of course, you're, you're taking the responsibility. So if you sit down with the processor's very generic, basic cut sheet, and you've got your super fancy cut sheet over here that your customers filled out, and you're going to take the time to transcribe it, then make sure you don't transcribe incorrectly because obviously that mistake is going to be on you. So what I normally do is Kelly and I sit down and, and we go over this before the, uh, the, the hogs are taken to processing. We go over it step by step. We fill them out. We do all that type of stuff and double check one another. So it's clean and, and uh, very explainable and we know that things have been transcribed properly. So along those lines, another quick tip I'd love to throw out is make copies of everything you produce so you can have it in front of you if an issue arises. So this issue may be an issue coming from the processor to say, hey, um, you've got marked this and this, and we can't do both. Like, oh, I you know, messed up in transcription. I see that right here. That was my bad. Go this direction. You know, um, 
and then also from the the customer himself you know you could have issues there so you can say well hey you, you said you wanted sliced ham and and that's what i gave you so you were expecting whole but you you mark slice on your on your cut sheet so that uh, kind of helps you cover those type of things so um so when you've included the you know, not you've made copies of your customer's cut sheet and the transcribed cut sheet that you gave to the processor so you have copies of each then this helps eliminate the opportunity of processing shenanigans to happen so you know not that it happens a lot at least in my experience we run into those things where uh, no, you didn't get any bacon. You said you didn't want any bacon on this pig. Wait a minute. No, it says right here on the cut sheet that I gave you that you're using on the processing floor that there's supposed to be bacon. So having copies of that is a really good idea. It allows you to go back to your records because what I actually do is I get, I take a copy of my customer's cut sheet, the transcribed to my processor's cut sheet. So I have those two. And then once processing's done, I request the floor copy back. So sometimes they'll give me a handful of sheets that are kind of, you know, crinkled from moisture. There's blood spots on them and those, those type of things. And I'll bring them back and photocopy them and put them together. So for my customer's records, I actually have three cut sheet copies. I'll have the customer starting, the processor starting, and then the processor's final because it'll have their notes, it'll have their calculations, uh, even have the pricing on it. So I'll know exactly... Uh, you know, through the cycle of that process, what we got and what we didn't. So as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, to help you visualize all this info, because obviously I've just thrown a bunch of stuff at you that has a lot of visual implications to it, I've put together an editable version of my cut sheet on the Patreon page that any supporter can access, so any level you can get to it. Uh, this cut sheet has all the details I have mentioned, plus more, so you can see more than, than what we've talked about here. So you can start with this and make adjustments as they fit your situation. So again, you've got more broads, less broads, whatever the case may be, go for it. This is in a Google Sheets document, and I'm, I think I'm actually going to throw it out there as Excel because I think it's easier for people to grab the Excel file. And if you don't even have Excel, don't let this deter you. So uh, you, you may have heard me talk about this in the past. If you don't have a Google account, get one. They're totally free, but when you have a Google account, you don't even have to use the email or anything. Just have the login, and that gives you free access to Google Docs and Google Sheets and some of the other Google products, but those two are the biggies. Google Docs and Google Sheets are exactly like Word and Excel. In fact, I think they're superior, but that's a whole other discussion. So if, I, so if you go to Patreon and you see an Excel file, and you think, well, I don't have Excel, grab it, and when you go to Google Sheets, you can open that and it'll pop right up and be fine. And then you've got it saved on the cloud and you can do all your changes, blah, blah, blah. No issues there. So uh, it'll be out there. You can obviously in Google Sheets, you can then export it to Excel if you want to. You'd rather work in Excel or you can export the PDF to share with your customers. So that's one thing you can, can think about is, hey, am I giving hard copy to my customers? You know, I'm going to email them the PDF that they then print out. Or you can stick with a digital copy and email it to your customer or processor if they're able to take that. And it has those clickable checkboxes included. So this form actually has the interactive checkboxes that uh, your customer can use. Well, I hope this helps you put together a strong cut sheet that serves you and your customers well. You know, there's so many things that we do on the farm that we, we put a lot of attention to detail on, and I hear this constantly, so it's not like this is 
a new issue. But everyone's like, man, you know, I love spending time out in the pasture. I love doing this. I you know, work in the farm, repairing fence, farrowing, whatever the case may be. But the thing I absolutely hate doing is paperwork and I hate marketing. So that's what I thought it would be a good idea to put this podcast together, maybe help you overcome those uh, areas of, of pastured pig business that aren't as exciting, aren't as sexy as being out in the field and working. So hopefully this uh, podcast will help maybe give you some ideas on how to hone your cut sheet better. Or if you're just starting from scratch, uh, just use this as a template and run forward. Well, uh, let me know. Give me some feedback. Troy at RedToolHouse.com. Give me some feedback on what you thought about this episode and if you'd like um, some other episodes in the future from time to time where we talk about these type of things where we drill down really deep into specific things. We could get into marketing details. We can get into other other details like that. Just let me know and we'll we'll go in that direction. Well, again, if you'd like to be on the podcast, just reach out to me and let me know. Uh, we're getting uh, interviews scheduled through the next several months and getting those lined up again. So I'd love to have you on the podcast. And if there's any topics specifically you'd like to hear, let me know as well and we'll see what we can do. Well, I pray everyone have a great week and take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.